The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Tommy Armstrong are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, this morning we are going to cover some extremely important subjects for you because bottom line is every one of us are affected by these three well, let's just let's narrow it down to two. First of all, Kurt Zarnowski is with us from Zarnowski Consulting. He's going to give us all the facts that we need to know for 2022 in Social Security. What's the idea behind COLA? What's going to happen there? And then I got Scott and Tommy. They are going to help us with some common tax errors and some year-end tax strategies to make sure we get all lined up to pay the necessary amount of taxes that we need in this great country that we live in. All right, but first and foremost, he steps to the center of the line. He is absolutely a supercharged, extremely knowledgeable individual, a friend of ours. Welcome to the program, Kurt Zarnowski. Hey, Jim. Great to be back. Happy Uh, Thanksgiving to you and all of yours down there. Same same thing to you, sir. I appreciate it very much. You know, Kurt, honestly, when we talk about Social Security, I actually have people wanting to know when are you going to be on the air talking about Social Security. Now, I, I don't have anybody else that they're asking that question. So obviously, to people, Social Security and all the facts are important. So my question... Anything changing for 2022? Sure, lots of things are changing. <laughs> I kind of thought that might be the yeah, case. Next question. No. <laughs> <laughs> next question. All right. Help us hey, out. So, Where Jim, does it start? Know, we always try and emphasize Social Security is such an important program in this country today. You know, Social Security pays about $92 billion a month to about 65 million people. But on top of that, there's another 176 million folks, like many of your listeners, are now out there working in paying into the program. So it is vitally important for people to understand what the Social Security program is as well as what it isn't. And one of the things we've always emphasized when I've been on with you is Social Security is really very much like that traditional defined benefit pension in that you become eligible for benefits. You can't outlive your Social Security payments. You'll continue to draw benefits right up until the time you pass away. But equally importantly is the fact that unlike many of those defined benefit pensions that may still be in place, Social Security has, since 1975, offered up an annual guaranteed cost-of-living adjustment in its payments to folks who are collecting. Now, prior to 1972, when the legislation was passed, people on Social Security got an occasional cost-of-living adjustment when Congress voted one in, but 1972 legislation said that beginning in 1975, people on Social Security would get an annual guaranteed cost of living increase in their benefits. And that has been an important part of the Social Security program, not designed to make people wealthier than they were, but to help people 
maintain the purchasing power of the benefits they've earned through their work earnings. So people ask, well, what does Social Security base its COLA on? Well, the legislation says that in determining how much of an increase Social Security beneficiaries will receive, Social Security looks at something called the Consumer Price Index for Urban Wage Earners and Clerical Workers, the CPIW. It's a measure of inflation tracked by the Federal Bureau of Labor Statistics. And the period that Social Security looks at is a comparison between the third quarter of one calendar year, July, August, September, and the third quarter of the following calendar year. And so last month, Social Security announced that between the third quarter of 2020 and the third quarter of 2021, that CPIW measure increased by 5.9%, which means that being in the payments that people receive in the month of January, they will see their social increase by that 5.9%, which is the largest increase that's been in place for about 40 years or so. But it's important to note, the COLA not designed to help people become wealthier than they were, but designed to help maintain the purchasing power of the benefits they've earned. So with that COLA increase that's been announced, you know, there are also a number of other changes that are um, in place announced at the same time, although some of them are driven by different measures other than just that increase in prices. And we can talk about some of the specifics, but there are a bunch of other changes to the program that impact people who are currently working and paying into the system. And those increases are a result of any increase in something called the average wage index. So a whole bunch of changes coming to the program starting in 2022, driven by both the increase in the consumer price index and the increase in the average wage index from 2020 until 2021. You know, Kurt, you you cover this in such a way that it's extremely easy to understand as you do that. But the question that so many people hear, you think about a 5.9%, and I, I missed the number originally, the, but it was billions of dollars that were going out. 5.9% uh, increase. All right, here's the question. Uh, is the program going to sustain itself? If I'm 65 years old and retiring, am I going to be able to still continue to receive a benefit 20 years from now? I mean, that's the question everybody asks. Oh, sure. And uh, you ask that just about every time I'm on. It's always um, there. <laughs> and, yeah, and it, it bears repeating. You know, I always try and answer the question by referring to uh, Mark Twain's quote, who once said, reports of my demise are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> I think the same is true of Social Security. Here are all these tales of doom and gloom. And I always like to remind folks each year the Social Security trustees issue a report on the financial health of the system, not only laying out the current status, but attempting to predict 75 years into the future. 2021 report came out in August, said as currently constituted, trustees project that the system will have enough money on hand to cover 100% of promised benefits each and every month between now and the year 2034. And that's assuming Congress does nothing to address the issue between now and then. And I can't imagine they're not going to do something about the program. It's far too important. But the other point I always like to remind folks of is that the report goes on to say, okay, assuming that Congress does nothing, beginning in the year 2034, Social Security is projected to have enough money on hand 
through its payroll tax revenues to cover 78% of the benefits that have been promised going forward. And that's an important thing, particularly for millennials who, you know, say, oh, my God, there's not going to be anything there for me down the road. You know, keep in mind, Social Security's primary source of income is payroll tax dollars collected from employers, employees, and people who are self-employed. So absent a complete and total collapse of the United States economy, something akin to Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Social Security is always going to have revenue coming in. The question is, absent any type of change legislated by Congress, is that revenue stream anticipated to be enough to cover all of the benefits that have been promised? And the current report says, yeah, beginning in 2034, it isn't, but it is thought to be enough to cover 78% of the benefits that have been promised. So the issue confronting Congress and the American public is not how do they close a 100% funding gap by January 1st of 2022. No, it's how over the course of the next 14 years or so, you come up with some changes to the program that will close, in essence, a 22% funding gap. So it's not insurmountable. It's not a program that I say is in crisis. I think it's a program that faces some challenges, but I think they're manageable challenges. And the issue is for Congress to finally deal with the issue. And in many ways, Social Security is hurt by the fact that it doesn't face an immediate crisis of not being able to pay benefits next month or the month after or anything like that. And so it's very easy for Congress to sit back and not deal with the issue because there is no danger of benefits not going out as scheduled till 2034. You know, you explain that, and I think, you know, I know we talk about it every time, but you do that in such a way I think it's comforting to hear. Bottom line, you're saying it's got to be managed, and that's key. If you just tuned in, my guest is Kurt Zornowski of Zornowski Consulting. He's always talking about Social Security with us, outlines it in such a way, makes it easy to understand. When he comes back in just a minute with us, we're going to get some of the things that he sees that are changes that we need to know about, things that, I mean, are just important for you to look forward to 2022. So stay with us. Now, just reminding you, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply go to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker, subscribe to your podcast, and leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. Just stay with us, though. Be Kurt Zernowski when we come back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest, Kurt Zarnowski, president and founder of Zarnowski Consulting. He has talked about something that you are, if you're getting Social Security, it's exciting. The bottom line is you're going to get a 5.9%, I'm not going to call it a raise, a cost of living increase because we're seeing some inflation and that's what you're getting, a cost of living increase. But there's other changes. And Kurt, I want you to just dive in and tell us what the other changes, what are we looking for in 2020? Sure, I'll get to those in just a second, Jim. I just want to remind you and your listeners, uh, three months ago, you asked me to predict what I I thought the cola would be, and I said 6%. I remember that. I I should have mentioned that. But unfortunately, 
in the world of the price is right, where you have to be closest without going over, I wouldn't have won the big prize because I was just a little bit over, but I was pretty close. You were close, as always. So we talked about people collecting benefits. They'll see that 5.9% increase in their monthly payments show up in the benefits that arrive in their bank accounts beginning in January. But it's important for folks who are now working and paying into the program to understand that there are other changes that impact them And these are driven, as I mentioned before, by increases in something called the annual wage increase here in the country. First one to think about is this. Each year, if you're working a job covered by Social Security, there is a maximum level of earnings that are going to be subject to that 6.2% Social Security payroll tax. This year, for example, you'll pay that 6.2% on the first $142,800 that you make. Anything you make above that, you'll continue to pay a 1.45% Medicare hospital insurance tax, but there is that maximum taxable level of earnings. Well, in 2022, that increases to $147,000. Anything you make above 147, again, you'll continue to pay that 1.45% Medicare hospital insurance tax, but you won't pay that Social Security tax. And it's important to remind listeners, in calculating somebody's benefit, Your benefit is based on an average of your 35 highest years of inflation-adjusted work under the system. But it's going to be your highest 35 years of work that are subject to that Social Security payroll tax. So important to keep that in mind. And just a reminder, you should be getting yourself on a regular basis a Social Security statement so you can check and verify and make sure that the earnings that you've had have been properly credited to your record. Because, again, down the road, If a mistake has occurred, it will have an impact on what you eventually collect. So, again, you'll be paying that 6.2% on the first $147,000 that you earn. In terms of qualifying for benefits, as we talked about in the show in the past, you need to earn a certain number of Social Security credits. The old term of art was quarters of coverage. But now you earn credits towards qualifying for Social Security payments and the amount of money required to earn a Social Security credit increases each year. This year, you got one credit for each $1,470 that you made, regardless of when you made it. But next year, that increases to $1,510 per credit. Now, you can earn a maximum of four credits during any calendar year, but it means next year, you earn $6,040 in a job covered under Social Security. You've accrued your four credits for 2022, towards the 40-40 that you require in order to qualify for a Social Security retirement benefit. 40 credits get your foot in the door. One credit, again, in 2022, for each $1,510 that you make. Again, doesn't matter when you make it. That total figure, you need to accumulate 40 Social Security credits. Now, as we talked about in the past, if you're under your full retirement age, looking to collect Social Security benefits, but intending to work at the same time, you know that you're limited in how much you can earn before it impacts your ability to collect. This year, for example, under full retirement age, you're allowed to make up to $18,960 without any loss of benefits whatsoever. You made over that amount, didn't mean you couldn't necessarily collect, but Social Security is required to hold back $1 in benefit payments for every $2 that you were over the threshold. Well, in 2022, that allowed earnings amount increases to $19,560. So 
Next year, you're under your full retirement age. It's important to know what that is based on your year of birth. You're allowed to make up to $19,560 without any loss of benefits, but you make over that. Again, Social Security starts to hold back $1 in benefit payments for each $2 that you're over the threshold. So depending on how much you're making while under full retirement age, you may not be able to collect even if you want to. But as we said on the show in the past, the good news is from the month you hit your Social Security full retirement age, this year somebody is 66 years and two months because they were born in 1955, well, from that point on, you can work and earn as much as you'd like and collect full Social Security benefit payments at the same time. So something to keep in mind, but only if you're looking to collect benefits prior to reaching full retirement age. And incidentally, this earnings threshold applies whether you're collecting a retirement benefit, a spousal benefit, or a survivor benefit. Under full retirement age, you're limited. Which leads to the question that always comes up, well, is there an average Social Security retirement benefit that's paid? Well, in 2021, the average monthly Social Security benefit was $1,565 per month. Well, with the 5.9% COLA increase, in 2022, the average monthly Social Security benefit will increase to $1,657 per month. Or if you do that on an annual basis, that's $19,884. So the average Social Security beneficiary in 2022 will be getting just a little bit under $20,000. Now, that's uh, nothing to sneeze at, but as we said on the show before, Jim, it's a base, it's a foundation. People need to find ways to supplement that because it was never intended to be anyone's sole source of income in retirement. And then the second question that follows that is, well, is there a maximum payment that Social Security makes? Well, in talking about maximum payments, I always like to qualify it by saying, in a particular year for someone who is at his or her full retirement age and who for each of the past 35 years has had earnings at or above whatever that taxable maximum has been, there is and can be calculated a maximum monthly Social Security payment. And so in 2021... For someone this year who reached his or her full retirement age of 66 years and two months and had had taxable maximum earnings for each of the past 35 years, this year he or she would have received $3,148 per month. Well, in 2022, then, for somebody who in 2022 hits his or her full retirement age, which next year is going to be 66 years and four months, he or she will receive $3,345 per month or $40,140 per year. Hugely important part of retirement planning is to understand what Social Security is going to provide you, but also important to remind folks, as we do every time I'm on with you, always intended to be this base, this foundation, but never intended to be anyone's sole source of income in retirement. Yeah, I think, Kurt, you do a great job explaining that, and that's so critical. You were about to say something? I was just going to say, and just a quick reminder, last Friday, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services announced what the 2022 Medicare Part B premium would be, and that's going to see a significant jump. This year, it was $148.50 per month. Well, the base premium next year jumps to $170.10 per month. So a big part of that COLA increase is going to be taken up by the basic increase in the Medicare Part B premium. 
You know, I can't ask you to just explain it any better. You just walk us through it, and I think everybody appreciates the fact that you lay it out in such a way. But one of the things that you said, and I think is so critical, is get a copy of their statement. They simply go to USA, us.gov. What, what exactly, how do they do that? Sure. It's www.ssa.gov. Now, just a quick reminder, Social Security in the past used to mail a paper document to anyone 25 years of age or older. They've really cut back on mailing paper Social Security statements. And the best thing to do these days is to set up an individual My Social Security account for yourself. Take about 10 or 15 minutes or so. Go to www.ssa.gov slash myaccount. And by setting up that personal Social Security account for yourself, an important byproduct is you'll be able to download through a secure website a Social Security statement for yourself whenever you need one or want one and use that as a retirement planning tool that it's been intended to be developed for. And again, mentioned earlier, you want to verify that the earnings credited to you are accurate. All right. Got to go, Kurt. Stay with us, man. Thanks so much for it. I appreciate it. Coming back, we'll be with you in a second. We're going to talk about tax errors. You don't want to miss it. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific situation. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Just remind you that you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to a podcast. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. That would be greatly appreciated. I guess that's proper, greatly Greatly appreciated. That sounds okay to me. Well, all right. Here we go. We're going to talk about taxes. I mean, you know, whether you like it or not, it's that time of the year, preparation, and then you got to start paying them. So I thought it would be appropriate to bring in a tax preparer, CPA, and he's also a CFP, Tommy Armstrong. And I wanted to just go through some year-end tax strategies. And Scott Jordan is here, certified financial planner. We're talking about some common tax errors also. So this kind of a combination of just the subject. But let me introduce these guys. Welcome to the program, guys. Good morning, Jim. Great to be here, Jim. All right, guys. I know you got a lot on your mind. I know that tax preparation and a lot of stuff's happening. So here's the question for you. I want to start with you, Tommy. Literally, some tax strategies for year-end 2021 that you find to be a little bit more important than usual. Well, the good thing about 2021 is that we is that we are still under we're still under the tax law that was passed in 2017, the uh, <clears throat> Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and that is the same tax code we've had in place in 2020, 2019, and 2018. So we've got a we've we've got a consistent piece in the puzzle of working with the same tax code we have been working with in the past. The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that was just sent to President Biden's desk does not contain any tax changes for the individual investor. There are some changes related to businesses. Businesses, but Business. not the individual. Not the individual. The, the, the Infrastructure Act does not change our landscape for the individual. Now, right now in the news, we're getting a lot of media, a lot of noise. Uh, about H.R. 5376, the Build Back Better Act, which does include significant tax provisions, maybe, 
primarily on upper income taxpayers, 400000 and above. Yeah, we've got a Channing Smith's going to be with us next week to talk about whether or not he thinks that's going to actually make it. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of people that are beginning to say that by the time it gets cut to pieces, it may not be as big of an impact, but we've got to see because exactly. that's important. Exactly. And that's why I circle back uh, during this visit with our listeners that we are in a consistent place of tax strategies, preparation, and planning that we have been. All right. With that in mind, so the consistency, you're saying basically there's not, let's just say consistent for what we've got going forward, but there are some things we need to be paying attention to. Absolutely. All right. Always. Now, let me, let me ask you this. I mean, the, the taxes that we should be thinking about, the way we should be focusing for year end, I know that uh, 2021 COVID, there's some issues with COVID. Did any, let's just go through those bullet points that you consider to be, what should the taxpayer be thinking about when they're completing their tax return in mind of COVID? Okay. The COVID issues that apply to 2021, uh, are there And the first one that you need to be aware of is that in early January of 2021, uh, eligible taxpayers received an economic impact payment of $1,400 per person. And that payment coming out so early in 2021 might lead the taxpayer to think it was a 2020 transaction. But when you go to file your tax return in 2022 for 2021, be aware that you need to tell your software or your tax preparer what you got related to that early January payment, uh, January 4th, January 3rd, uh, so that your tax return for 2021 will be accurate related to that COVID issue. The second COVID issue for 2021 is that unemployment benefits, if you were still receiving those benefits in 2021, those are fully taxable, no exclusions, and that's a change from 2020 tax prep where a certain amount was excluded from income. So that's a biggie. Everybody needs to pay attention for that. I mean, you can't say, oh, well, it wasn't that way in 2020. It's definitely back to being fully taxable. Exactly. Unemployment benefits are taxable, and you should be looking for a 1099 to tell your software or tell your preparer. All right, let me ask you this. The last thought process, when you talk about the advanced child tax credit. Yes. That's a biggie for this year. It really is. It, it affects a, a, a large number of taxpayers. It came in during the year in 2021. Uh, certain taxpayers, based on their children in the household under 18, may have received advance payments if they did not act, opt out. And what you need to be aware of there is that it was an advance against your credit that you would file for on your 2021 return. And to reconcile that amount out, you need to know what you received, if you received anything, and report that to your software or your tax preparer so that we can can treat those numbers correctly. All right, so pay attention to some of the things you did with COVID and think about what you're doing. And again, I want to remind people, if you want to find the show, on, you can do it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can go back and listen to the program. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. Also, if you're listening today, you can also listen to Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Don't forget that. Now, let me let me talk about this, Tommy, because I think so many people 
they they kind of go through the almost like I did it last year. It's rote. I just do it again. I do it again. I do it again. And as you said, things really haven't changed. But what are some of the strategies that you say to people as a tax preparer, as a CPA? This is important. Pay attention to these strategies. Okay. the The main strategies that that I I advocate for, and I think these are mainstream and supported by the financial planning <clears throat> thoughts. <clears throat> thoughts and professionals I work with are just the basics, okay? Basics and consistency. If you have the ability to uh, defer income by putting money into a IRA or a 401k, uh, then you need to do that. You need to max that out. That's good tax planning. That's good financial planning. Uh, second one is if you are a, a senior adult dealing with required minimum distributions, you always have the ability to send a certain amount of those required minimum distributions directly to a charity as a qualified charitable distribution, and we advocate for that as just a basic, consistent, let's-do-it-every-year process. Tax-loss harvesting relates to how you handle your taxable investment accounts compared to the tax deferred we just talked about. And tax loss harvesting uh, is something that Scott and I advocate off the financial planning desk, and it also happens to be a good tax idea. Uh, You need to be aware that the 2017 Tax Act gave us larger standard deductions, but if you believe that your medical expenses or your normal charitable distributions or your property taxes and uh, property taxes and mortgage interest exceed 24,800 for a married couple then you want to at least check those numbers and and compare them to the software or your tax preparer to see if you get into an itemizing situation so 24,800 for 2021 tax that is correct that's the standard deduction they give that's a married filing joint right right. all right that's important for people to know I mean, because, I mean, bottom line is, I mean, sometimes you're, you're almost there, and if you just did this, you could move it on to the next e- level. Exactly, exactly. And that's where, that's, that's where, your, ta- that's where your, your tax loss harvesting comes into play, is that it might assist you in taking advantage of the uh, itemized deduction above the standard that they grant you. Uh, and, and what we've heard in the media is that, the tax act said less people were itemized, but from a tax planning and financial planning, you need to keep an eye on those itemized deductions. Okay, that's the key part right there is that itemized deduction. Just pay attention to it. All right, when we come back, I, I, Scott, I want to lead in. You, I know you <laughs> like to preach this, and that is the RMD and the chair. I want you to walk us through, make sure everybody sure. understands to do that, and then get into some of these issues that people are making, the errors that can cost them money when we come back. All right, we've got with me today is Scott Jordan and Tommy Armstrong. Tommy has just given us some very solid insight into what look at look for in covid and also making sure that you know the strategies that you need to be looking at. Max out your tax-deferred accounts. Look at your qualified charitable deductions, tax-lost harvesting, and know your standard deduction. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Kurt Zarnowski or Zarnowski Consulting. The views and opinions expressed are those of Kurt Zarnowski only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Just uh, We're talking about tax planning and tax errors that we might be making and some strategies. Tommy Armstrong just outlined some very solid strategies. Max out your de- tax-deferred accounts, such your 401k, your IRA, whatever it is. Qualified charitable distributions, that's your RMD, RMD if you're retired and you're taking out your money from your 401k. Tax loss harvesting and know your standard deductions. And, of course, my married filing jointly. The amount today is 24800 Now, guys, we've covered a lot of material. I mean, Kurt Zarnowski's talked about Social Security. Tommy, you've covered tax, you know, the whole idea behind strategies. But, Scott, I want to lean in just a second and ask you the question about RMD because so many people, and here's the problem that we talk about. Everybody knows they got to take an RMD, a required minimum distribution. The reality is, and, and it's just nature. It's just we procrastinate. We wait to the last minute. But now if we want to take our RMD, required minimum distribution, and give it to a charity and it becomes a qualified charitable distribution, you've got to, you can't wait till December the 31st to do that. It's important. I mean, we're sitting here, it's November the 17th, so this is a strategy that we advocate for, and it's time to really start thinking about getting that done if you're going to do it. I think now this became way more important when they raised the standard deduction. Tommy talked about that earlier. Standard deduction for a married couple today is $24,800. So what that means is you would have to have itemized deductions like charitable contributions, mortgage interest that's greater than that, in order to get a benefit above that. But one way around that is for people who are giving to charities and they're having to take RMDs, they can send that money. Now, this is important. It has to go directly from your IRA to the charity. But if it does that, it never hits your adjusted gross income. So basically, you can take that RMD that would normally come into you, be added to your adjusted gross income. You can take a portion of that. You can take all of that. You send it directly to the charity as a qualified charitable distribution, and that money never hits your adjusted gross income. Now, importantly, you have to be at least 70 and a half in order to take advantage of that. Now, even though they raised the RMD age to 72, they did not in- adjust the quali- qualified charitable distribution age, so you can still do that at 70 and a half. And it actually it doesn't have to be your RMD either. Yes. Uh, any any individual can give up to $100,000 out of their IRA per year to a charity by doing that. All right, that's, that's a great explanation. I think a lot of people need to know about that. But here's something I want to talk about now, some errors that we make, some things that just common mistakes. And here's something I read recently, and I thought it was great, from Nerd Wallet. And uh, it's called Top, Top Taxpayer Concerns About Filing Taxes Incorrectly. And the concerns, number one and number two, <laughs> number one, getting audited. I identify with that. And number two, <laughs> needing to pay more. And I thought that's pretty good. And then you look at number three, going to jail. <laughs> that's a big one. That's a, that's <laughs> that's a, a big one. <laughs> so if we're going to talk about that, I uh, want to remind you that we're going to cover this material. But we have for you 
a copy of this Common Tax Errors to Avoid. It's a PDF, and you can literally go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document on our post. It's absolutely free, and Scott's going to kind of walk you through some ideas, but you might want to go back and read it later. And so simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page. It's called Common Tax Errors to Avoid. Scott, tell me what number one is. Well, number one, that some people is is not including all your income that can cause you to get under reporting penalties. And I see this occur with people sometimes with taxable investment accounts. The 1099 is not given to the accountant or not included in the software, uh, especially with things being more in an electronic world. You need to make sure that you are including all of your 1099s. But there's some others that are often not thought about. It could be... uh, an activity that you're doing more as a hobby that you end up making a little bit of profit on. Uh, you're actually taxed on on bartered services. So if you get services or property bartering goods, that's not outside the tax system. You're actually supposed to report that as well. Um, foregone interest on loans. Let's say you're a family member and you're giving a loan to another friend or family member and you're not charging them interest on that. That technically is taxable. Uh, so that's one that, you know, is not often thought about and probably not often reported, but that it that would be included in taxable income. The IRS has a certain interest rate that you have to charge on those loans. And again, so you if you're sure. filing your tax return, that would be one that maybe if you got audited, you know, that would possibly, It could come up. Yeah, it, it could, could come, come up. up. Uh, canceled debt is another big one. You know, any kind of debt that is canceled is is considered taxable income unless there's some sort of exclusion provision around that, which the IRS has done from time to time with things like canceled mortgages back in the subprime crisis. So unless there's an exemption, any kind of canceled debt is considered taxable income to you. So have to consider that All right, as well. that's a big issue. And we go through this idea of some tax penalties. And so I guess I'm thinking about it. If you're not filing by the deadline, that's a tax that's penalty. A big one. Not paying your taxes on time, that's a penalty. So now let me ask you this. Some, the, the, the errors you give us was no, not reporting, but what would you see as the second big error that people end up making? Not taking ev- advantage of all the tax breaks that they are due. You know, the child and dependent tax care credit has been uh, enhanced recently for anybody that is uh, under 438000 in income is eligible. Now, there are certain other income limits around that, but those child tax credits have been enhanced. Child care dependent uh, tax credits have been enhanced. So just making sure that you're taking advantage of all those things that you qualify for. Again, Tommy mentioned, you know, back in 17, the tax code was changed dramatically. You know, no longer are you allowed to take exemptions. So you have to you have to figure out the new tax code and make sure you're taking advantage of all the things out there. Um, some, you know, if you are, we talked about qualified charitable distributions, but another one that we see people not taking advantage of is is donating appreciated stock versus just donating cash. So if you're giving to charities and you have accounts that have appreciated securities in them, that's another way to give money and, and, and have a significant tax advantage for it because you avoid the capital gains on that by giving that money directly to the charity, and the charity can uh, can sell the stock and not have to pay gains on that as long as they're a 501c3. You know, I, I think that is so important for people to keep in mind that they've got a stock that's appreciated, and we've definitely seen that in the last— it could be a mutual fund. It could, could be, be anything that's an appreciated property— Real estate, anything. Even 
even more. Yeah, I was going to say more complex properties. It gets a little more complex. More and you'll, you'll need to get some attorneys involved and stuff. But you can give away like business property and real estate and things like that. And you well. should be thinking about that. I mean, Absolutely. bottom line is if you could avoid paying the taxes, of course, if you think about not paying your quarterly taxes when you <laughs> need to, that can be a, an error. That can come back to get you as well. <laughs> and that can cause penalties. We talked about that. You know, you, you know, not paying in enough in those quarterly payments, especially for people that are maybe new to taxable investment accounts and things like that, not used to have to pay in quarterly taxes. You know, self, self-employed self people have to do that and get used to doing it. But when people have taxable investment accounts and things that are generating significant income, that can that can cause you to have that need as well. And that's critically, very critical and, 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 and very important. And the bottom line is, when you think about this, I'm just reminding you, if you'd like to get this podcast, you can do that just by simply all you have to do is whether you get your podcast at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to our podcast. We'd appreciate it. Era number three is one that it's hard for me to imagine, but it's common, filing a wrong status. And that, that occurs mostly in the event of a change mid-year, maybe a divorce or, or a death in the family where the status is changing. You see some people that are not filing correctly. So it's important to get that right because that affects everything from the deductions you can take and all that based on adjusted income, whether you're single, married, filing jointly, head or household, or, or that tax filing status. What about not having proof? Of purchases. Well, that's a biggie. That's, you know, anything you're claiming on there, you better have some documentation to back that up because there there is a chance that the IRS could pick you for an audit. And you just want to make sure that you're keeping good records and that you're documenting, you know, especially for things like mileage deductions and things like that, that you have the proper documentation for that. You know, and you would think that, I mean, I've heard Tommy say this over and 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 over. Right. He said it more than once. Right. That is, make sure you've got all your documentation and then do right. Some t- data gathering. Spend the time now to be looking for all of that. Get it in early. You know, probably wait until the 14th doesn't make Tommy very happy. The 14th of April, you know, just getting everything <laughs> in at that point. So trying to get that in a little earlier and getting that organized so you can get on top of that and make sure you're taking advantage of everything. Tommy, what do you see as the biggest issue with that? Well, I, I I think we've talked around it, but the word we're <laughs> trying to avoid is procrastination. <laughs> okay. Uh, it from a tax planning and even a financial planning standpoint, you need to be clear on what you're doing all year round and then nail it. All right. I want to thank my guests, Kurt Zarnowski, Tommy Armstrong, and Scott Jordan. If you have questions, you can reach them at 901-757-5757. To find a copy of the PDF that I mentioned earlier, Common Tax Errors to Avoid, go to the Shoemaker Financial Facebook page and search for the document. It's on their post. It's absolutely free. Next week, my guests, Channing Smith and Scott Jordan's going to be back. We're going to talk about portfolio design and what do you do in 20. 22. That's a big subject. Going to talk about some tax laws, and we're also going to dive into your top 10 questions that you've asked us in 2021. That's Wednesday and Saturday mornings right here on KWAM, the Mighty 990 at 9 a.m. If you have questions, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you so much for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Tommy Armstrong are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 